0: Uh, ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and friends beyond the binary particular my patrons uh, uh my thousand points of light uh, my thousand points of delight uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here to try to put you to sleep thanks for supporting the show good night uh hey you're up all night tossing turning mind racing trouble getting to sleep trouble staying asleep welcome this is sleep with me the podcast. It's here put you to sleep we do with the bedtime story all you need to do is get in bed turn out the lights and press play i'm going to do the rest and what i'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever has been keeping you awake whether it's uh, thoughts uh, feelings physical sensations whatever is keeping you awake i'm going to try to distract you from that i'm going to smooth this uh, look at, i don't know if you can hear this because it's only virtual but i'm uh and making the mo- the smoothing the universal smoothing motion, which is c- clockwise. I did I had to think about that for a second because I'm dyslexic for really. Like a, a slow, a gentle, the universal, maybe not universal uh, motion of uh, smoothing it, patting it and rubbing it down. a safe place, as we say on this show. Yeah, uh, but what I'm going to do is send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use uh, lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, superfluous words, words words with wings, maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give these words like their first wings and say, fly, fly away, Before fly right out of my brain before we get to my mouth just so I don't remember you. You know that's really when people say scooch, you stutter a lot, or you miss your incomplete thoughts. Uh, it's because I set the I set the words free before they come out of my mouth, and they're committed uh, to any thoughts or anything. Word freedom, it's uh, it's it's illusion. It's illusionary, or something. Those words, the words to explain what word freedom is, they flew away. But speaking of uh, setting things free, I'd really like to set your thoughts free. It's kind of the distraction. If you're new here, let me give you a couple uh, like uh, things to set things up for you. So this is a podcast to put you to sleep. You don't really need to listen, and you shouldn't feel any pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here to keep you company for at least an hour. Uh, structurally, what to expect? You you are here for the first six minutes of the show. That's business. You got to have it at the beginning for a sleep podcast. If you're new, not that important. If you rely on the podcast and you listen on a regular basis, you want to keep the archives. Remember when you put your hand on that fridge tomorrow to think about uh, uh, checking our show notes and say who am I, who's going to be in my fridge? Uh, what, what was the sponsor? Yeah, but otherwise, so there's six minutes of business, then there's an intro which we've just kind of started. Those are about twelve uh, to fourteen to eighteen to eleven minutes or so, give or take, give or take some free words and free seconds. And, uh, oh, then there's the episode. What comes after the intro? The episode. Well, the intro is kind of an episode within itself. Some people use it to get ready for bed. Some people go to sleep during it. And then there's the episode. That's about 45, 40, 45, 50 minutes. Then there's some thank yous at the end. So I'll be here. So here's the thing you don't need to pay attention to me. I'm here to keep you company. I'm here to take your mind off of stuff. I'm friendly. This is a safe place. I'm glad you're here. I say that a lot. You're welcome. You deserve a good night's sleep. I want to try and help. Uh, the way I do that is I distract you with my name banter. And some people say might say, "Well, I think it's like more that it rhymes with a name, but it has an S in there, Scoots." And I'd say, "Yeah, that's an extra S. It was an extra S for super scoots, but that letter that was a when I was practicing letter freedom." Which left me short on letters, so I had to turn to word freedom because I didn't have as many letters to construct as many words. That's why I'm short on words sometimes. Yeah, but here's the, like, how does the podcast work, you might say. And I'd say, well, you keep your company. I'm your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar bud, your boar cuz, your, you know, boar bro. Bore, you know, you could call me your boar I'm totally comfortable. Whatever, yeah, you know, whatever role... Makes you comfortable. You're bored Nana. It doesn't really, that doesn't have enough alliteration. You're bored Branna. Like Eric Bana? Uh, like, I'm, I'm the boring version of Eric Bana. Who like, uh, except, you know, it, like, just because I can say Bana. I, I don't even know if that's how you say his last name. But basically, I'm here to be your friend. I'm here to keep you company. Just like I was sitting at the foot of your bed telling you a tale. Uh, but you don't have to, like, I don't have to be there, so you don't got to worry about me closing the doors or leaving crumbs or owing me. You know, you say, well, you came over and put me to sleep. Does that mean I got to come over to your place and put you to sleep sometime? Forget it. And uh, this all happens virtually. Uh, And you say, Scoots, okay, can you use, what what about those metaphors you use to describe the podcast that don't make any sense, uh, that you're like... uh, were you, didn't you have to go to metaphor court? I did. I did. Uh, I did have to attend metaphor court, and, and then I had to go to metaphor training, court-mandated, court, court mandated, uh, metaphor retraining. Uh, that's what I called it. And then they said, you're going to have to leave. And, and then I also said, I'm short on words. Uh, don't say that in metaphor retraining. Uh, trust me. It, it, like, I said, you have demerits here? What do they stand for? Tell me about these demerits. Is it something about, uh, anyway, enough, uh, baby, ba- they said it, like a barely met, like a, uh, but it, like, I do try to come up with a metaphor to describe the podcast. There's been one I've been thinking about that I always forget, which is like walking the DOG. And I don't want to say that, but, I, and again, I am sure like many funnier people than me have talked about this. But it's really perplexing to me, and I know there's books about it, but they're so long. Like, they have chapters and stuff. Like, uh, I see the books, uh, at work in a library, like, Inside a Dog's Brain, or Why Does the Dog Do This? Uh, You know, written by—I'm sure those are great, but, like, like I'd rather just make—like, I've lived my life making assumptions. Uh, That's the quickest way to make an ass out of you and me, is to assume— and when you have a dog, it's even easier because it's you know, then it's really one sided. But I'm really like, like is this a paradox? Like, I find myself with a paradoxical look because Ko- Koa, my dog, sweet, sweet Koa, she's just in the other room listening, probably. And I can tell you the question that's going through my mind, her mind right now are we going for a WALK, even though. But I like so. Koa is a very trustworthy dog. Like uh, so, I live in a four-unit apartment building, a converted house uh, that was converted into four apartments uh, back in the twenties or the thirties or something. And so behind it is parking for the four apartments. Uh, you could say it's a parking lot. It's kind of small. And then there's like a garage-like structure that uh, that's it, it, not important. But, but so there's like a back area behind the apartment building, away from the streets. And Co is responsible enough to be back there, not totally unsupervised because uh like but if I'm in the kitchen, she can be out back. like the kitchen opens up to the driveway area or the back of the parking lot. Uh, and there's some grass, but Co's allergic to grass. and she loves walking around. She likes sniffing uh, car tires by the way if you're get, if you're thinking about getting her something for Christmas, get her a wheel well. She loves the smell of wheel wells. Like, literally, she'll just smell the wheel wells and really. like, hmm. Like, I, I wish we could converse about it because they'd say, well, where's this car been? And I do say that to her. And she just look, she's like, well, let me smell this other wheel well. And wheel well is another nice word for sleep with me. Wheel well. Uh, another podca- podcast, the podcasty word of the day. Wheel well. What does a wheel say a, when it has a great day? Wheel well. Well, how'd your day go, wheel? Wheel well. Went well. I guess it doesn't quite work, but, uh, close, but so she kind of has free range back there and she can trot around and we'll, sometimes we'll play. And like I said, she likes to play her games, uh, no matter what, like if I say the W-A-L-K word, she like, will go like crazy, like, uh, with joy. I mean, she'll jump up in the air. She does this thing where she jumps up and touches me with her nose. Like, I think that's like a kiss. I mean, it's literally like if, you, if your kids still believe in Santa and on like June 25th, you said, hey, I just found out Santa's coming tonight. T- totally. We're the only family and uh, write up a list of gifts. They're going to, they have a replicator, so they'll make them. Santa's going to be here tomorrow with those gifts. Like, can you imagine what the kids would do or what you would do if someone said, hey, what kind of gadgets you really wish you could, you don't want to buy for yourself, but like make me a list because Santa's coming tomorrow. Let's see. Well, I'd always wanted one of those freaking other phones. You know, I have this kind of phone, but yeah, like, uh, it's uh, like, I'm not going to spend 800 bucks on a, oh, what's coming tomorrow. Sandy, like you imagine what you would do or whatever, you know, but especially the kids every time I propose, even if it's like the third time in the day, that's her reaction to going for a W.A.L.K., and then we go out, and she seems to enjoy it. Uh, but I just don't get that. Like, I guess I do need a dog psychiatrist, say whatever, like a like a dog geologist to say, uh, like, uh, what in the heck? Uh, I don't get it. Like, uh, you could run around without a leash in the backyard. You can smell wheel wells. I mean, I guess you get to see and smell other stuff. I guess a dog that smells wheel wells wants to smell where the wheels go. So I guess it does make sense. But it's just like a literally an unbridled but soon-to-be-bridled enthusiasm. She doesn't actually have a bridle because I don't even know what that is. But, uh, like, I know what unbridled enthusiasm looks like because it's like, hey, do you want to go for a -A W-A-O-K? Like, and she literally jumps up, like, leaps in the air, like, wick, 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 yay. Uh, what does it have to do with the podcast? Like, I thought I would be able to stir that into a metaphor at some point. But it's just weird the things we get excited about. Like, some things don't make any sense to me. Let me clarify that. To me, like, it kind of makes sense, but I guess to me, I'd say, well, you got all this. Re- I mean, we can go out for a WALK, but uh, I don't understand what the difference really is. But I guess I do. Like, I, I, I can see your point. Uh, yeah, uh, Koa, okay, so I, it makes sense now to me, but it's just you're so enthusiastic, that's what, like, uh, it, but it, here's the thing, I'd like to make you sl- not that enthusiastic about bedtime, but slightly, like, look forward to bedtime, like, if I can take your mind off stuff, if I can put you at ease, uh, if I can relax you, like, that would be my honor, so that's what I'm going to try to do, now, this podcast doesn't work for everybody, so give it a few tries, uh, but my dream, like the highest level, would be making bedtime feel kind of delightful occasionally for you. The rest of the time, you say, "Well, that Scootsie's really not that bad." I mean, once we're out on the okay I think that's probably what she thinks. Well, he's not that bad to walk with. Uh, you know, he, like, he's not the worst. Uh, lets me sniff some things, but not everything, because he says, "Well, Caesar does says not to let you stop wherever you want." You know. I guess in my case, there's no question who's walking who, I mean, let's not, I'm not going to debate it or try to, uh, so anyway, like, let me walk your, I I do, let me, I guess this is the thing, I could take your thoughts for a walk, uh, and I'll be here, I'll be using these uh, tones, uh, I'll try to keep a nice pace, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to go for a walk uh, down memory lane tonight, uh, so I'd like to keep you company while you drift off, and at any point, if you feel like stopping, listening, and falling asleep, uh, That's why I'm here. So I'm glad you're here. I hope I yearn and I work very hard to help you fall asleep. So thanks for coming by. Uh, Hey, everybody, especially anybody in Canada that might be listening, because this is like actually a Canadian crossover kind of episode. Uh, So there's this podcast I'm going to tell you about called Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. And I've uh, made friends with uh, Dan Uh, one of the creators of the show, kind of online, just kind of independent podcasters uh, trying to kind of find our way in podcasting. Uh, You know, we like, it's nice to be able to find people say, hey, like, let's try to help each other out with uh, stuff. And, uh, like, let me tell you about the podcast first. Uh, This is from the website, Uh, Grown Ups uh, Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Uh, Since 2007, Uh, Brave adults across Canada have shared their own weird and wonderful childhood and teenage writings. Grown-ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids as a live, on-stage storytelling event. Uh, The show's primary goal is to entertain, but beyond that, the aim is to invite everyone, readers, live audience, uh, members, uh, radio podcast listeners, to reflect on their own lives, uh, to to connect with who they used to be, and then draw a line that connects the past and the present. Embarrassing, moving, and hilarious. uh, these readings are powerful reminders of who they used to be and then uh, this is how the idea uh came about in 2006 this is dan here talking uh my girlfriend jenna now my wife and i were visiting my parents or her parents in kingsville in, in ontario all the uh stutterings mine in that in the writing. Uh, Jenna's parents asked her to clear out some boxes she had stored in the basement. Uh, Going through the boxes, we discovered Jenna's early teenage diary. uh, Written those years when she was just on the edge of puberty. With drinks in hand, we spent the better part of an afternoon reading diary entries out loud to one another. Some were funny. Some were bittersweet. But the thing that struck me the most is how Jenna's diary gave me a glimpse into a past I'd never seen before. Uh, we figured there's lots of other people probably had in their childhood and teenage writing kicking around somewhere in their parents' basements, boxes, George Lecture. So I asked my mom to send me some of my childhood schoolwork. Uh, then we booked a night upstairs at the Victory Cafe in Toronto, invited some friends and crossed our fingers. Uh, people showed up. We had some drinks. We laughed. And we've been doing live shows ever since. Uh but since uh, 2008, 2009, and then into 2013, this has been a radio show and then a podcast, and so you can find it in your podcatching device, uh, like whether it's Apple Podcasts or whatever you use. And I'll link to it in the show notes. And uh, you know, dance interaction and I, I didn't have anything to do with it. It just had, it had to kind of do with podcasting in general and kind of behind general behind the scenes kind of stuff. And but I like it heard a dance podcast and it, like. uh I don't know. In the back of my mind, uh, like, I was like, huh, like, uh, well, uh, like, it's just an amusing concept. And, like he says, like, a, a good insight into people's, uh, uh, past and who they are then, who who they were, who they are. Uh, but then I started thinking about, uh, how I don't re- really keep anything and I live across the country from where I grew up. And, uh, I was like, did, did I, in, in, uh, And how, like, I was always a very angsty kid, and I was thinking, geez, I don't think I have anything that I wrote as a kid uh, left uh, that I know of. There may be one thing in a computer that my mom told me about, uh, so we'll we'll talk about that. But I was thinking, like I said, well, I'd like to do something to kind of promote Dan's podcast because I think uh, he's great and his podcast is great. And to kind of flush out this idea, so this is kind of be like a tribute to the uh, like things I can barely remember that I might have wrote as a kid, and also I'm barely a grown up. So, yeah. So I thought I'd just t- take everybody down some memory lane, and and uh, my memory serve, uh, foggy does not do it. It's a good thing I live in the Bay Area because holy moly. And I was saying, like, if anybody listens to podcasts podcast pretty regularly, like, uh, Curse of the Cursing Notebooks uh, maybe came out a few months ago. And that's kind of a story of writing that, I, like, non-creative writing that I did. And uh, I think I, I, I may have, like, a, I, I may have a list of goals that I have as a kid somewhere. And I have, I have that pretty fresh in my mind because my goals have almost never changed yeah uh, which is interesting so maybe we'll talk about that even though I don't have that there but I was kind of trying to remember the first thing I wrote as a kid and I have this one distinct memory from first grade that I told my daughter about this isn't like actually creative writing and a lot of you might remember when when the things like the first perm episode uh this was a first grade teacher I had some I had some trouble with she was mostly pretty nice but uh you know, I was a difficult, challenge, challenging student. I was challenging, uh, like, like it wasn't easy for me in school, and it wasn't easy for the people around me. Uh, and I think this was in first grade. And I remember we were sitting at a table. I don't, I think we had desks, but we were working at a table in small groups. And this was about the time one of the Star Wars movies was out. I don't know which one. Probably Jedi, but maybe it was Empire. Because uh, it would have been 1981 or 2. And we were sitting at a table, like one of those U-shaped tables. And, and maybe it was put into a whole circle. I think it was. Maybe it was a circular table. And we were talking about compound words. That was the lesson for the day. What is A compound word is like two words together that mean something. Uh, I guess like b- b- barbell. Is a barbell, is that a compound word? Now, you know, now, like I said, I'm barely a grown-up. Is is a barbell a compound word? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Like, because well, it has a bar, and then it kind of has two bells on the side. So I guess, but I don't know how to spell barbell. Is it B-A-R-B-E-L-L? Uh, like, so, yeah, I guess that would be a compound word. And she'd say, what were the two words, uh, bar and bell? And it was different than whatever those things come at the beginning of a word, or the Greek things or the Latin things. Uh, Like transformer is not a a compound word. Trans is not a word. Former isn't either. I mean, it's a word that means something different. So transformer uh, isn't a compound word. So that would be an example of what isn't a compound word. And I didn't think of this because I wasn't listening to Dr. Mento at the time, but fish heads would be another one. Or would that be just a piece of anatomy? Uh, huh, that's a good question. I don't know if that is that a compound word or not, uh, or is there a space in there? Uh, but I remember I came up with the compound word, and then I muttered it to myself, and the kid next to me stole it. And, and it's like the first memory of a kid stealing, like, the first idea that was ever stolen from me. And it was from Star Wars. Even though I had never seen a Star Wars movie, I was familiar with the character Hammerhead. Like, I didn't realize it was a fish friend either. I think I just realized it was a character thing. But I said, like, Hammerhead, that's one. Definitely, yeah, definitely Hammerhead. And this kid, Chris, uh, who I was kind of friends with on and off uh, throughout grammar school, and maybe even... Like, uh, well, whatever he, he raised his hand I'm pretty sure it was him or it could have been, it might've been another kid, uh, either way, one of these two kids, it was definitely one of these two other kids. I don't want to say the other kid's name, uh, but they, well, he said hammerhead teacher and, uh, she said, wow, holy cow. And I was so irritated. Uh, she said, and then she said, what are the words? And, uh, yeah, they said hammer and head. And uh, I said, wow, what a great word. It really came up with And I couldn't, like, uh, it wasn't, like, I think I was a little bit outraged, but I was kind of, like, surprised uh, because I don't think I had, it was my first uh, idea theft. So I said, whoa, wow, that's the first, uh, like, I just had this look on my face like I had just been played, like, because the words had just been stolen right out of my mouth. And uh, I don't know if I think maybe I said that was my idea or something, but maybe I just... uh, Acquiesced, um and uh, you know, I said uh, a jerk face or something. I said, "No, okay, go to the principal's office." And I still like, I, like I had like recently, uh, like uh, someone dealing with ideas, and I gave them a bunch of free ideas that they took for free that they were, uh, uh, so it, like, and I still had the same thing. I had this meeting with this person, and uh, I didn't make sure everything was signed before it's. This was actually about a year ago, and uh, we talked about all these great ideas. And then they said, "Oh, great! Uh, We'll get back to you about uh, sponsoring your podcast." And then they uh, implemented all those ideas. And I think I had the same look on my face then as I as I did when I was a kid. I was totally surprised. I said, "Wait a second! Wait! wait." Uh, So that happens!" yeah so that was but that was the first thing it seemed like it got a little passive aggressive there, but it was like a, like I can't believe it was just the fact that uh like i was like when I was a little kid, I was dismayed, and then this time I was also like, what did that just happen like uh, you just took my idea and presented it as your own, and I don't know if I had another compound word I think I probably did it wasn't barbell a blowtorch great great job uh, grammar school brain I, I think that is a uh um pinhole. I think that is pinwheel. Okay. Very, very good. You you brain part you brain bots are really good at compound words. Guess what? Brain bot is a compound word. Uh, that wasn't even on purpose. And uh, so but the, other than that, I'm trying to think of any other grammar school of creative writing. Oh boy. I just I think I just like I, I wish I had I took a computer class Holy cow, this is going to go off the rails already. Like, uh, maybe I talked about this. Uh, is this, I guess, because we had the intro. So I, I was going to say, is this too early to go down this road? But I don't think it is. Uh, but, but like, th- this is, uh, we're talking about Little Scoots, and uh, Little Scoots had a different, you know, in order to make a sleep podcast, your life's got to take some different different turns, you know. And your grasp on reality and normalcy is not all. So I did take. I remember this one summer, we took a computer class. I think my brother Carl and I, maybe my sister, out at like a summer, like a summer computer class. I think it was out at Split Rock School, I believe, uh, yeah, out in uh, the suburbs of Syracuse. And I think we probably did some word process. It was probably on apples. We probably did some word processing. We probably did some of that, uh, whatever the heck that language is that never did anything, but you move the turtle around, the logon. My programming went like 10, write a bad word, or 10, write a bad, like something, 20, go to 10. And then I would just have a bad word go on the screen for infinity. That was in basic. I don't know. Is that basic where you just do ten twenty? But then there was that graphical one where you tell where the uh, the turtle thing where to go. We probably did some of that in computer class. And we probably did some cool writing in there. I can't remember anything I wrote. The only thing I remember from computer class, unfortunately, was... uh, uh, like, and again, this was like outside of my school. So it was like, uh, this is when I still like, I, I guess you do develop, do you develop introversion or are you born that way? Or do you do things to reinforce introversion? Uh, cause I remember I had already inhabited a role at my grammar school, which was, as I talked about, like, uh, I had friends. I was lucky enough to have good friends. Uh, But as far as the male social hierarchy went, I was the second lowest or the third lowest out of, like, two classrooms of males. Like, uh, like, uh, there was one or two kids and one of the other kids, he was much better, like, he was like a Lannister type. So he had a much better way of, like, uh, and he was good at denying that he was, like, I I knew, like, uh. Like I was in the bottom four. Like even though I had friends that were in the top, like and we sat that way at lunch, and like, uh, like I would sit near my friends. But like I knew my like this was like this is how grammar school worked back then. And hopefully it doesn't work like this now. Yeah, but I had like already worn in like I knew like my place. My place had been assigned. But again, I was lucky enough to have friends where some of the other kids didn't. It's even some of the kids in the middle of the hierarchy. Uh, actually this the number one kid, he was, uh, usually he was a number one or number two. He had straight A's and he always struggled for friendship. So I, I look, I don't look at it in a morose way. Like I was very lucky. I had very close friends growing up. Uh, so I was very like, uh, but I, like I also had, like also had to deal with like, uh, yeah, and I wasn't always the nicest kid either. So let's just not like, uh. But I was low on the, like, social hierarchy. It, it just was a fact. And that was, like, it could be a bit emasculating, even though we weren't men. Like, I mean, I'm not talking, like, this is, like, first, second, third, fourth grade. There was still, like, uh, like there's still a bit of emasculation going on, or beta male, alpha male thing, whatever you want to call it. So when I got out of... Uh, my school's environment, I would flourish again for a little while. But you'll see, like, I think uh, some of this is ingrained behavior. What this has to do with what I wrote as a kid. I wrote something at this computer camp. Don't remember what it is. And I may have told this story on the podcast, but I don't think I have. good. I can't believe I'm telling it now. Maybe I did, but it would have been in, like, a 45th minute instead of the uh, 30th minute. Uh, But so, like... uh, Okay, so, so So when I got outside, especially when there was—especially uh, when there was classmates uh, that I was attracted to, there was, like, a couple girls that I'm sure, like, I was, like, uh, had butterflies. I don't remember having a huge crush on anyone. Well, you know, whatever you call, it, like, attraction, like, youth, youthful attraction or whatever, your classmates in computer class— I guess it was computer camp. We never learned how to crack into, like, uh, mainframes or anything. That was why I was there. Uh, And then, like, uh, I would have to wait till my parents left the house anyway to try to to do it at my parents' house uh, once they figured all that out. Uh, But so um, what was my point? So my point was, uh, yeah, so, like, I think I wrote things in there. So, like, I got a little carried away, and this one day— I think a lot of the days we had, like it was structured. Like you'd have a lesson, then you'd take your lunch break, then you'd have another lesson, and then your parents would pick you up or whatever. And I don't remember having a lot of recess time, but I remember this one beautiful summer day, or maybe it was like we had graduated. Like, so I was really, I guess that was probably it. Uh, like we had graduated. And, uh, so we had the whole afternoon, maybe we even had a party with sugar and stuff. Uh, and so we were allowed out into, like, like, the computer lab opened into a little grassy area with a tree in the center of the grassy area. And it was very picturesque. And we were all kind of running around. And definitely my, like, uh, I was high. I guess that's all I could say high on attraction and sugar and graduating from computer camp with a certificate uh uh, the, you know, and maybe some stories we probably did do. I wish I had those stories. And, uh, so yeah, it was really like I was riding high. We'll just say that. And, uh, I do not know what possessed me to do this. Uh, and like, I think we were talking to other classmates and I decided I had to, uh, pee. Uh, and, uh, like... I think I ran it by, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, it, like there was a girls in the class and I said, uh, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom right on this tree. And I don't think anyone dared me. That never happened to me. Like I always came up with the bad ideas right on my own and just decided to do them. And I think of like, people were shocked by my boldness of even proposing the idea. And then I said, well, I'm going to do it. Like, uh, I got to go and I'm having fun running around. I'm just going to pee on this tree. And it wasn't like there was no privacy. This was like I didn't know what I was thinking that I wouldn't get caught or no one would tell on me because the computer teachers who were probably volunteers uh, or regular school teachers that were making like whatever, 50 bucks for the entire summer for a class of like with one lunatic me in there. But whatever, I decided to pee right on the tree in computer class and and then that that was it for me in computer camp permanently. I'm not kidding. Like uh and we were very young, so it wasn't uh I guess I didn't realize that it was obscene. Maybe you could say it was obscene, but it wasn't like I was like uh I was maintaining some privacy uh so no one could see anything other than the fact that they knew I was peeing on the tree. Um and Uh, like, of course the teacher, someone told on me and then my mom got called and then I had to sit down with the teachers and my mom. And I still, I guess to now I do see like at the time I just said, well, I just peed like, what do you mean? Like, I just peed on the tree. Uh, it's outside. Uh, I mean, I do it all the time. Like, I think I probably said, my mom's probably like, be quiet. Like I said, I do it all the time at home and I do like even like, uh, I don't do it, at, like, when when I'm on vacation, I probably pee on some trees. Not in front of people, I guess, would be the only difference. And, uh, like, so that was a mistake. Uh, and I, I, did, I guess I didn't learn from it. I did learn from the mistake. Don't pee in front of people on a tree and you'll get caught. Uh, I feel bad for my mom. I guess I didn't realize how embarrassing that probably was. Uh, like, probably for my mom, she probably like, okay, this is finally... They got this kid at computer camp. Uh, maybe he's learning something. Which I, I mean, I, I, no offense, but I don't think I learned any skills there. Maybe I wrote some stories, but I don't remember. The day, I, the day I peed on a tree by uh, Andrew Ackerman, and I mean, probably wasn't the best. I mean, probably like nowadays they say, okay, like, uh, like now I'm seeing a therapist, so, well, uh, uh, but. Like, <laughs> How did I get to this story? But so, so I wrote something there, but I don't remember what it was. I guess that's the whole concept of this episode. So I don't remember what I wrote at Computer Camp, but uh, maybe there's something from Computer Camp uh, out there somewhere. Probably doubtful. I was even try- I mean, I was also thinking by massaging the memory yeah, that something would come out, and I can see Dom Matrix printed things. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm aware like, okay, we probably did. I can almost see, I think cause it still had the green and white paper coming out of that matrix. And I can see the stories of like, uh, I can see us editing them, but I can't see any story, uh, content, but it's there. So maybe during this podcast, something will unfold and, and blossom, but at least you got to hear about that mistake. Uh, like, uh, like, uh, And I'll have an older brother. I guess that's the way I always look at it. Like, uh, I guess as an older brother, now my parents knew to tell my siblings. I don't think I told my siblings, hey, you you know what? Uh, Here's something nobody told me. Don't pee in front of the kids in your school against a tree. Like, don't pee outside the bathroom. Like, uh, But maybe my parents, they said, hey, listen, we didn't realize. uh, Like, we saw your brother had some common sense, but he doesn't. So just in case you don't. Uh, don't pee on any trees. Uh, so that was grammar school. I'm trying to think of anything in grammar school. Nothing's like sticking out to me as uh, like a big moment of like, oh, boy, I remember writing that. Uh, I mean, I definitely probably wrote some goofy stuff. Uh, I mean, the the high, I think the highlights, I, I think I've talked about this, was Hat Day. Uh when we were supposed to bring like bring a hat, like wear a hat, and I just put uh, a pair of tidy whities on a baseball hat, and uh, I said, "Hey, this is my underwear hat." I didn't get. I guess I was so creative that uh, I got laughed at, but I don't think I. Maybe I did have to take it off. Uh But yeah, so that was uh, so grammar school. So then I got to seventh grade. And in my school, like uh, seventh uh, middle school was new. So, um, and in seventh grade, we had like whatever you call it, tracking, where you take a test before you go in, and they put you. Uh, and I was like, and and I think I talked about this at my school. There was five different uh, tracks, and I was on like so, so seventh grade. You could be in seven one, seven two, seven three, or seven four, or seven five. And I was in seven one and like, uh, so were all the people that ended up being like, uh, like uh, super, like the coolest people in the world. Most of my friends were in seven, five or two or three of them. And then a few other ones were in the middle sevens. Uh, but I was in seven one, which that's, that's the great, that's the group that John Hughes movies are made about. Uh, and I, I wouldn't have been a protagonist. I would have been like in the background, uh. But not important. So that was seven one, and then like I'd already get, I'd already kind of given up on school anyway by seventh grade, and this was good for me. Being in seventh seven one, I guess solidified the uh, antagonist relationship with the education system for me. And kids were so rebellious in there, and my life was so dominated by pop culture that it became like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I like was so enamored with John Hughes movies that, uh, I didn't, I wasn't quite the character I wanted to be, but I was like, I'm living a John Hughes movie. I get kids like, uh, like in my class drunk and I get kids like, you know, smoking cigarettes and, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. So it was, it was a blast. Uh, and it was hard on the teachers because the more, uh, like, uh, I started to kind of whatever generate these things, but we did have an English class, right? And, uh, yeah, you know, I talked about this uh, story before. Uh, this was my first, uh, like, uh, one of my first, it wasn't my first, uh, where I got the taste of performance, uh, the thrill of making people laugh, uh, making a group of people laugh. Uh, but this was like one of the most clearest memories was. Uh, so in seventh grade, we had an English class. And at some point we started doing some creative writing. And I think it was like just a writing prompt and it was very open. And I remember I wrote this story and I kind of felt like uh, it was pretty good. And I'll talk about the story. And but but I was like, OK, like, oh, and it was also a rewriting. We did writing and rewriting. Uh, but like, uh, like I thought it was a pretty good story. And then it was time for everyone to read their stories. Like maybe we did it for homework. It was like the only homework I ever did in my life. And I'll never forget this cause it definitely had an impact on the podcast. Like, uh, like I remember reading the story and the class was just hushed and it wasn't a dramatic story. And then people were laughing at some of the jokes or whatever, the funny stuff that was happening that I don't, I don't remember. And even the teacher was laughing and she like the teacher, she was a nun, but she was like a, a kind of a younger, hipper nun. And it wasn't like a racy story or anything, but even the teacher was like, couldn't really believe uh, like uh, what, like, like she was just cracking up. And, and like, uh, and then the teacher started giving me feedback uh, based on like her experience from the story. And it was influenced by Indiana Jones. It was called Indiana Jones instead of Indiana Jones, which probably rubbed this other kid the wrong way. Because there was a kid at our school who, was model- who modeled himself after Indiana Jones, uh, who was uh, friends with for a little while. Uh, but, uh, like, uh, no, I think that was later we became friends. So I don't think it was influenced by him yet. Maybe he wasn't at the school yet. And I don't even remember the story, like, I remember the rewrite, because the teacher, like, it was called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Achu And, like, it originally, I think the original concept was the temple looked like a nose, but it was still still a real temple. But then, uh, like, uh, and I don't remember what Indiana Jones was doing. Probably encountered some, wha- like, probably, like, episode of this podcast, some wacky characters that he, uh, you know, offered him challenges, ideally, like, uh, that's what I was writing back then. Uh, but that uh, the teacher was like, like, oh, like, is it inside a nose? She was like, I was picturing it going on inside a nose. And I said, N- uh, it, but she was still laughing. So I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally inside a nose. Uh, so then I rewrote it, or maybe I wrote a sequel to it, uh, like, that was nose-themed, but he didn't know he was in a nose. So the rewrite was like different things were uh letting Indiana Jones as he's temple going into this temple like in search of treasure you know that uh, first there's wind then there's it's running then he's swinging on vines and then the sneezing and shooting him out and you know stalactites and stuff like that so that was and then I think I wrote one more in that series but I don't remember anything about it uh, but to regular listeners, the podcast, that should sound pretty familiar because, uh, I guess it, like, cause it is, uh, it's who I am then, who I am now. And I'm trying to think of any other gra- like a uh, seventh or eighth grade writing things, uh, that stick out to me as major moments. Uh, I wrote a lot of notes and, uh, like, uh, but I didn't, I don't really remember any of that stuff, uh. So, like, uh, and then I mean, I, I did write it like, I, like uh, at different points in middle school and high school. I just, I definitely wrote like, a, you know, like, a, like a lot of uh, heated parody or whatever about teach. You know, like I'm sure I wrote a lot of characters, like characterizations of classmates and teachers. That was uh, more comedy angst uh, that'd probably be like ashamed of at this point. Uh, but it doesn't really stick out to me. I mean, I did, like, do a lot of cartoons. I'm not much of a drawer. But I did, like, you know, to me, like, once I got hooked on making people laugh, you know, then, like, uh, I, I uh, oh, this brings up another thing I could talk about maybe. But, like, uh, then, like, I would do anything for those, like, that drug of la- making people laugh. Uh, and, again, I wasn't the class clown, so... Um, I had a different way of trying to make people laugh because I wasn't, um, I don't know, just like on the podcast, my style is a little bit more slow and unintentionally funny a lot of times, or it could be more acerbic and plotted than, uh, off the cuff wacky, which is like a good, good class clown. in and, and, and in grammar school, we had a great class clown. This kid Brian, I'm surprised he never became a stand-up comedian because he was hilarious in grammar school and in high school and middle school. Again, like we'll probably talk about it, but uh, uh, well, I just let's get it out now. Let's just put it all out there now. Like at some by the time the end of high school came, I wasn't the nicest person, but I definitely considered myself the funniest person. But there was someone else that was a class clown. And he was actively campaigning for, like, whenever you vote, like, funniest person at the school. And I was kind of too cool. Like, I was like, well, I don't, you know, I'm too fun, Like, I'm funny, so I don't need to get people to vote for me for being funny. Uh, but I was still mad when I lost him. Those was, like, it was just sweet justice that he, he was, uh, But also, he's a class, he was a classic clown. Uh, you know, he did voices of... Uh, uh, like, uh, you know, he was like, like, uh, yeah, it's not that big a deal. I, I should get over it, but, uh, uh, you can't, i try to talk to myself right now. So I don't remember. Okay. So seventh and eighth grade, I, like, I don't really remember much else that I did writing wise. And then we get into about a uh, sophomore year of high school. Like this was like, uh, another turning point for me and not the greatest turning point. And where I kind of, like, actually, like, decided to depart from uh, nourishing and uh, helping my internal child or whatever you want to call it. And that was actually, like, a very deliberate decision. Like, unfortunately, like, like uh, I had this wonderful English teacher, Mr. S. And he was incredibly into literature. And this was the year we kind of read, like, uh, walter Mitty, and to build a fire like so a lot of like uh i think this this was the year we read that stuff maybe it was freshman year but uh you know just a lot of cool stuff to be exposed to and there was two different things i wrote in that class uh where like i was going in the, the right direction and the first was we did haikus and i remember i i love like creative constraint uh so this very much appealed to me, the the challenge of a haiku in whatever writing prompt the teacher gave us. Or maybe we just had to write two haikus. Uh, but I love constrained, uh, like, things like that, like, even now with the podcast. Like, so I said, oh, boy. Like, uh, and I remember cracking down at this haiku. I remember staying up so late uh, working on these haikus. And these weren't funny haikus. These were ones I was... Maybe I did one funny one. And I remember I even had, like, we only needed two, I think, or maybe three. And I remember I had, like, uh, extras. And I was, like, editing and then being like, okay, what are the best ones here? Maybe I could turn in four. like, uh, But then I better write them in best to worst order. And I don't... I just remember the one was, like... uh, the best one in my opinion was in the teacher's opinion was like about blades of grass at at dawn, like, uh, in the dew on the grass, like, uh, but it was like more of like, uh, like, like, I mean, I was only in high school, so it was a little bit on the nose, but like, uh, but it wasn't clear. They were blades of grass at first, at the first part of the haiku, but, but, but but the blades, you know, like shining or something might've been, I, I don't know, but, uh, I remember I, I, it was like the first time I wrote something that I thought was good and it was confirmed by the teacher. He was like, it took me aside. He said, wow, this is like you, you get an A. And I mean, I never got A's in anything uh, except for like maybe the Indiana Jones story. Like I, I was like not a good student. So, uh, and it was more, I mean, maybe I got some sometimes, but it was like, this is the one where I felt like I earned it. I knew I put in the work. And I felt like I edited it and that I was proud of the work. And the teacher in some sense confirmed that and uh, was like, this is so good. And I think we were having like an open house or something. And my haikus were featured prominently in his classroom. And then I remember, uh, and this was one of my friends that uh, I'm still friends with, actually, but we've always had like a male, a contentious male relationship, especially in in high school, like competitive and, uh, aggr- like with some, like, uh, like where we're friends and we dislike each other at the same time. And I remember we were on a bus and I don't, I think maybe we were, go- I don't know if it was like a, a field trip. It, maybe it was, it must've been a field trip, uh, uh, cause I remember who I was sitting with, uh, and it got around to me that this friend of mine was spreading the rumor that I had uh, plagiarized these uh, uh, these haikus, and I was just so enraged, so like uh, I was like hurt and angry. But I guess again, I guess with the hammerhead thing, I also knew it also made sense to me because it, it was undeniable, like with internally. Like, I guess I wasn't so upset because, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like in, uh, I guess I felt some aggression because they said, Well, who, like, an outrage? Like, who are you? Like, I can't believe this. Like, and I remember the kid, uh, like, I was sitting with because we had gone to grammar school together. And I said, Well, that's total junk, man. I wrote those things and I know I wrote them. And most of me, like, at that time was like, this is just pure jealousy. And and, and maybe even a part of me was, like, in, uh, thrilled by it, uh, like, because it, like, further confirmed how good they were. Like, he was reading them to other classes, uh, and that's how my friend, like, what spurred the jealousy. And, uh, like, so whatever, like, uh, like, but I, I ju- it, but I guess it gets, when you talk about ideas, like, and, and people taking ideas or whatever, like, uh, there's this part of me that was surprised and not surprised. Like, well, why would someone accuse you of plagiarism when, uh, it's like the best thing I've ever done in, for someone that, you know, I think a lot of listeners maybe can relate, like, uh, that's never like the most athletic kid, I was never the most, I was always one of the smallest kids. I was never one of the most uh, socially adept kids, but I did have have a lot of friends. You know, I didn't have a lot of luck with, uh, my, like, classmates I was attracted to. I didn't do good in school. So this was something different for me, like this positive, uh, like, and I guess it was something that I wasn't prepared for because what happened after that was that, uh, The teacher gave us another writing prompt, not that long after when I was still on this high from the teacher's praise. And the teacher wanted us to write our own obituaries. And then he like went through the paper back when this was when people read newspapers and kind of gave us a bunch of examples and talked about it. And this, again, was a formative, I guess, experience for me in a bunch of different ways, but a way that directly impacts the podcast He said, I got home and I started working on it and I decided to throw out, like I said, okay, the writing prompt is just to write your own obituary. It doesn't say that you have to follow the format. That was just an example and that's what everybody else is going to do. So I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to write a poem instead, uh, about, uh, like about, about it, like instead of doing like, uh. And I said, like everybody's going to write their accomplishments that they wanted to accomplish, uh, like, uh, like you know, the, all the great things they did. And I was already like kind of like uh, had a, like an edge, I guess. So I was like, uh, I don't care about that and that kind of stuff. And I already knew at the time, like that I was a imper- very imperfect person. And so I wrote this thing in like rhyming couplets or whatever. Uh, about like uh, a poem about it instead of, uh, um, and I wish I had it and it may be saved on a computer, but I, I remember, I think it said, uh, like I never uh, did see that bus something, something, so like, I don't know. It, it was like, uh, but the, the clothes was like, uh, like that, I'm kind of re- re- like running through the story in my head, just like I guess like the podcast, yeah, in a poem while I'm like walking, and I'm trapped in my own head. And then I get to an elevator, and a man in red spandex asks if I'm going down. I-, I forgot what what the like what line came before that, but that was like the closing line. And, again, this was something I spent a lot of time on, and I never did any homework. So I was, like, working on the rhymes, working on the syllables. Like, okay, it's not enough syllables. Uh, you know, I don't want all the syllables to match up uh, with each, like, a uh, couplet or whatever. And I remember working, working, working. And uh, then I remember delivering it, and we got to read it. And, it, of course, like, and it, I mean, I guess you're allowed to have a little ego. It crushed. I mean, it crushed. Uh, everyone else read, like, uh you know, Joseph Jones, uh, head of, uh, you know, Firestone Bank and uh, father, you know, mine Mine was like like all the bad things I did as a kid. Uh, just like Chunk, my, one of my heroes, and it ends up then it has a turn at the end where it's like, oh, like uh, you're listing in a rhyme all the things you did as you're walking uh, to be escorted uh, to where you belong. And, like, so that was one turning point was, like, saying, okay, let's throw these rules out and uh let's take this creative constraint in a different direction. Uh But, unfortunately, the flip side of it was the teacher was very impressed. And I've talked about this before, and this is an amend I still have to make. Yeah, but the poor teacher was also thrilled with it. And I guess he had been thrilled and... uh uh, he was. He's told me Jesus needs to be published. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think he meant like just in like some kids, whatever. Uh, but he was very encouraging, and uh, I kind of like, like I, I mean, I just was not into authority figures, and I still, as much as I liked him and as, as enthusiastic as he was. I couldn't take affection or I, could, I couldn't take positive attention. Like, like I could take the, the, the drug like thrill, uh, that was almost illicit from like having a teacher be happy with you and from having, making teachers laugh. Uh, but I had to stop there. I couldn't enter in, in, into any like, uh, mentor intimacy, w- w- like, which is like maybe what he, he was like, Jeez, let's get this poem published. It's great. And I remember him being very enthusiastic and me saying, "No, you know what, like, n- uh, like, uh, I'm not interested. Like, uh, like, uh, like, uh, and then, uh, like after that, we just, our relationship was never the same actually. And maybe I was more direct about my rejection of his, his enthusiasm. And that's just something I always struggled with is like matching other people's enthusiasm. Yeah. But like, uh, Hopefully I could find that. That was a poem. Then a couple more things we'll we'll end on. Like, uh, I remember writing, uh, this was another one. This was later in high school. And I don't know what class it was for. Maybe it was for English class again. We had to do an instruction manual. And I think this was like senior year, maybe junior year. Uh, And so I did my instruction manual on... um, uh, like, uh, like, uh, if you, if you, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this in a sleep podcast, like, uh, everyone again, like, uh, took it in a literal way. I think one or two other people did some pretty wacky stuff. Uh, but, uh, I took it as like, uh, like if you were in a, like the movie war games, but it wasn't a game. Like how, how would you get through that? Like, uh, if you were to prepare for that and, uh, Like, what would you need? And I actually took it seriously. Now, this was before the internet, so I couldn't actually do any real research. But I was like, okay, you need water. You need air. You need to be deep in the earth and, uh, you know, have lead-lined stuff. And you'll need stuff to do. You'll need to be able to go to the bathroom. Uh, But I kind of did it in, like, a fun instruction manual. And then actually that became—that was met with enthusiasm again, and one very creative person in my class, so she was like, okay, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, and so I tried to develop that into a story because I said, well, that'd be interesting, like uh, people living kind of down in the earth, uh, and that didn't work out. Uh, but then that classmate of mine, Emily, who went to NYU uh, film school, so she, you know, obviously she's sort of like super creative and intelligent. Uh, at some point, we got called to the principal's office because we're, I don't know how we we had separately developed the reputations of uh uh I, I don't know like wanting to be creatives uh and so we had had like TVs in every classroom and they needed people to do the like the the promos for the school like for the school fundraisers and stuff and so and this was like one of the other this was when I was probably a senior maybe a junior. And so Emily and I, the principal was like, okay, we want you to, to do all the promos, like write the videos and film the videos. And Emily was kind of on the more, uh, behind the camera stuff. And I was on the more writing the skits kind of stuff. Uh, and, uh, so that was fun. I, I remember like getting like a, a lot of it was like game show type themed or, uh, you know, that type of stuff, uh but I don't really remember a lot of the details. And then, like, when people were running for student council, that was another thing. And that was, I guess a lot of it was game show themed. Uh, oh, no, I did one, uh, I guess, like, a, like, a, that was, like, I was a big fan of Chris Rock back then, so I did a lot of Chris Rock uh, tributes. Uh, but, uh, like, I would write, like, uh, for people when they ran for student council, I wrote a lot of, uh, like, uh, tributes, uh Whatever you call it, uh, the skits for them too. Um, I don't really remember any details about that. So I don't know. This could be interesting. We could return to it because in my mind is, uh, there's a lot of gaps in there, but I'm sure there's other stuff. And there is like one other, uh, resource. I'm, I'm trying to think like, uh, that I might have some stuff. Uh, but yeah, a lot of stuff I wrote was probably just like, uh, parody of like, uh, teachers and, uh, I mean, there was one time, I guess you could close with this again, like a whole chunk, but, uh, we used to have to write out our biology homework. We like at the end of every chapter, there was like 10 questions that were contained in the chapter, the answers. And I didn't write, like, I have trouble handwriting, but you know, I had to handwrite these answers. So you had to write out the whole question and then you had to answer the question from the text, uh, And I just found it to be monotonous, busy work. Uh, And in some sense, it is a good learning technique for me to, like, rewrite something. So it was something I used, I guess, later in life, but, uh, like, to make your own note, like, build your own notes out of the text. But uh, this was more, you had to do it in exact words, and you had to write out the whole question. So at some point, I theorized with my friends. I was like, there's no way he's reading all these like 66 uh, p- people once a week turn these in there's 0% chance he's writing it so one week i wrote out all the questions and then i just wrote a, a very bad story like uh, and i don't mean like uh, like uh, to test him like after the questions instead of answers for one or two sentences i wrote stuff that was just outrageous And I really, I guess I believed he would never read it because it probably said a lot of stuff about him and it probably wasn't nice. It was probably, I mean, it was hilarious. I will say that. Uh, I mean, like, uh, like at other people's expense. So, like, I feel torn about it, but it was funny. And uh, I handed it in and I never got it back until I got home from school one day. My dad was home from work early and it was like, oh, you're suspended or whatever. Like, uh, this came in the mail. Or we had to go to school while you were at school uh, for a meeting with the principal and your teacher. And they said, oh, great. Uh, uh, and I mean, it was just something like to sit and read it with your father and mother. Uh, I was like, well, I never thought he would read it. Uh, so, but like, uh, so I guess, but that still kind of informs the podcast in some sense. But yeah, make sure to check out the podcast, so Things uh, Grown Ups Read Things they Wrote as Kids. Those are some things I wrote as a kid. And just picture the lines of the dot matrix printer going back and forth uh, with a sleepy, pillowy-like sound, the churning outward processing of children as you drift off to sleep. Good night.